Uh, I think the, the organizers of this event are going to be, and I told them this, I told them this, I think they're going to be a little bit disappointed, and maybe you will be too. Um, because I'm not, I'm not directly speaking to house churches during the entire second hour. Okay, I'm going to give the message in the second hour as I received it. Okay, we've been, uh, I, I don't remember what month it was that they mentioned that there was a possibility of, an, of this uh, retreat and if I wanted to participate and I said yes immediately. Um, and, and from that time, we all have been praying. They have been praying here and fasting and I've been praying and, and um, we've... Uh, I, I really feel like there are two or three points that God wants me to say this morning that have more to do with your personal lives than with the house church. And then the last one I also feel was a point that God gave me to speak into the house church situation. Any questions that you have about what I spoke in the first hour what I'm speaking this hour, I'm glad to answer questions individually, but those issues need to be determined in the local church, in the local setting. There is no book and chapter in the Bible about house churches. We're studying history in the past, vision, and expediency. Which is also true. God uses strategy of all kinds. And we can see the house church as God's strategy in the Roman Empire. People say the earth is, uh, the, 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 the terreno, the earth, uh, the, the area of Europe is hard. Uh, last night we were hearing about this, you know. I, I still don't think it was as hard as it was in the Roman Empire. I, and and, and they, they took off like wildfire in the, in the Roman Empire. We've got to keep a perspective here. This is not hard like China. This is not hard like Cuba. This is not hard like Rome. We've got to get that. It's not easy. But that doesn't mean it's hard. We've bought the lie of the devil. And we've got to get rid of it. We bought into that lie, and we've got to get rid of it. Man is man, and man's heart is man's heart. What we have to do is discover how to get in there and quit saying it's too hard. Okay, that's... But I'm, I'm going to speak into, into your life. But first of all, I want to do an exercise really, really fast, okay? I don't want to take any time. And, so, and since I don't want to take any time doing this, I want everybody to do it at the same time, Okay? And at the count of three, I want you to tell me where you are from, okay? I want you, everybody at the same time. One, two, three. Fantastic. Wonderful. You're all wrong. That was the wrong answer, but I'll, I'll explain that a little bit later, right? Okay. Um, I want to start today talking about two, two things. First is identity, and second 
will be dedication. I want to start with identity. Okay? There's a scripture that we have that says this. There once was a man sent by God. His name... John, there once was a man sent by God. His name I'm not from Chile. I'm not from Argentina. I'm not from the United States. The first phrase I learned when I started going to Portugal is So do seu. I'm from heaven. I want you to understand that within the context that I'm going to be presenting it today. Okay? And I don't say it from a proud position. Every person I meet in my life is part of the purpose for which God has me here. Every person I meet is part of that sending, is part of me. I'm from heaven. Not in the same sense that Jesus is. He's in a category all by himself. But in the same sense that Abraham, who didn't know where he was going, but he trusted God. In the sense of John the Baptist, (laughs) who was sent to prepare the way, sent with a mission. In the same sense as Gabriel, who was sent with a message. No, the same sense as Nehemiah who was sent to rebuild. The same sense as Esther for just a time like this. In the same sense as Paul who was sent with a very costly but a well-defined mission. In the same sense of Timothy who was sent as a reminder. And so many others. There was a man, there once was a man sent by God. His name is Jerry. Now, put your name in the space. There once was a man sent by God and his name is fill the space with your name and look at the purpose once was a man his name was John sent by God to point out the way to the life light he came to show everyone where to look And who to believe in. 
That's your identity, and that's your purpose. That is your identity, and that is your purpose. You are sent from God. You were in the heart of God before the foundation of the earth. You were not an accident. And you weren't planned by your parents. You've got to get your head around this. And your heart too. You're sent from God. And you've got to believe it. That is your identity. Put your name in the space. Because that is absolute truth. From before the foundation of the world, like the Son of Man, we were in the mind and the purpose of God. We were sent from God for the world. We were sent from God for the world. I like the way Eugene Peterson put it in the message. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger and telling the world how bad it was. No, he came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. I love that version. It's a little free. It's a little American. <laughs> Eugene Peterson was the one who wrote the message, and his purpose was to write an American Bible. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with him as a person. It was a Greek... Um, Hebrew Aramaic scholar died a few years ago captured the vision perfectly of our purpose put your name in the spaces it says this is how much God loved the world he gave his son Yanne he gave his son he sent his son Freddy he sent his son, Andreas. And this is why. So that no one need to be destroyed. By believing Yanne's message. Not in Yanne, no. By believing his message. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God sent you 
God sent me. God sent us into the world to help put the world right again. Restoration. Reconciliation. We've got to assume our identity and assume our responsibility completely. You arrived on this earth just in a time like this with a purpose, and that's your purpose. That's your purpose. We're from heaven. We're from heaven. Once again, Eugene Peterson so well captures this truth of John chapter 1 when he says it this way. The life light was the real thing. John says, I'm not the one. I'm not the, I'm not the, the Christ. No, the life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. Okay, he was in the world. The world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed that he, uh, he was who he claimed and who he would, uh, would what he said, he made to their true selves, their son of God's selves. These are the God begotten. Not blood begotten. Not flesh begotten. Not sex begotten. These are the God begotten sons on earth. That's you. That's me. That's us. The God begotten were from heaven. Tremendous, tremendous identity that we have. You have this identity. Believe it. Convince yourself. Tell yourself, I'm from heaven. Tell yourself. Where are you from? How did you get here? How did you get here? God sent you. There once was a man sent by God. His name? That's your identity. We are God-begotten sons of God. We are from God. We're from heaven. We're sent to this world with a great purpose. Don't get lost. Don't get wrapped up in other things. Don't get lost. You have a divine calling 
and a divine appointment. And that leads to the second term. Dedication, as I said, there are two terms that God gave me to speak on to begin with. The second is dedication. We're sent from God. With a purpose. With a purpose. We have today many followers, many people in church who aren't committed disciples of Jesus. Well, actually, we don't. Because it's not possible to be a follower of Jesus and not be a disciple. That's not possible. It's a complete contradiction of terms. It's like saying, I can be a Christian without being a missionary. It's impossible. It's impossible. The problem is, we've tried to fit discipleship into the church. We've tried to fit Jesus' demands into theology. When it should be just the opposite. We must convert the church with discipleship and to discipleship. And we must convert theology by applying the demands of Jesus. Discipleship is not for the church. The church is for discipleship. Discipleship will never be a program of a human church. They'll have a program called discipleship, but it won't be what Jesus did. It won't be what Jesus taught, and it won't be what Jesus wants. It won't have the product, the end product, disciple transformed into the image of Jesus. We must go back and preach the gospel of the kingdom to everybody in the church and in the world. We must give them all a chance. All disciples are to be committed workers of the Lord, and all true Christians are missionaries. And here we come up against something of extreme importance that comes from Hebrews chapter 12. I think that should be the name. Yeah. After, after the Hall of Fame, the Faith Hall of Fame of Hebrews 11, we come up against Hebrews 12, and this is how it starts. Do you see what this means? All of these pioneers who blazed the way, all of these veterans are cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. 
Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over to that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I love the way Peterson put that. That'll shoot adrenaline into your souls. There's some key terms here. The Good News Bible states it this way. As for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. So then let us rid ourselves. Rid, throw away. Get rid of. Desechar. Get rid of. Rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way. And the sin which holds us so tightly. And let us run with determination the race that lies before us. Wow. Que tremendous, no? Get rid of everything that gets in the way. And the sin that holds on to us so tightly. Get rid of it. You know why? You know why? Because these things will destroy your faith. No, you won't deny Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. No, 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 no. But it will destroy your faith. You will be pointless and powerless unless you get rid of these things. It will destroy your ministry, your purpose, your service on earth. You will lose sight of what you're supposed to be doing because you're involved in, 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 in things that get in the way or you haven't released yourself from sin that grabs on to you so hard. They'll just eventually destroy your life. How many ministers have we seen that lost their faith, lost their ministry, and eventually lost their life because they didn't pay attention to the scripture? God needs us. He sent once there was a man sent by God. With a purpose, a singular purpose, just like Jesus. We've got
got to get rid of everything that gets in the way. For us, sin is obvious. That's, that's, that's an easy one. Or is it? Or is it? Do we recognize sin for what it is? When you think of sin, what do you think of? Lying, stealing, adultery, murder? Those are sins. That's not sin. It is sin. But that's not the definition of sin. Those are sins. Those are manifestations of the principle of sin in our lives. Sin is rebellion against God and against His law. The rest are manifestations of that principle of sin. You know, and so we say, well, sin is, is obvious. I can get rid of that. Okay, maybe it is. But how about the weight? How about the distractions? How about the fat he was talking about? That's another issue. That's another issue. The distractions are subtle. Brothers, listen. Sin is obvious. I know when I'm sinning. I don't need the prophet to come and tell me. I've got the Holy Spirit. He keeps me pretty attuned to my problems. But the distractions are subtle. A little pleasure here. A small entertainment there. I've worked so hard. I deserve it. I'm going to live a normal life for a while. I'm tired. Or... I've given up so much. I've been faithful. A little pampering of the flesh here. Uh, pampering. Uh, good word. Uh, pampering. Um, a little giving in to the flesh here. A little pampering of the flesh, you know. A little, uh, give it a little, give it a little rub. Give it a, you know, give it, make it feel good. Make it feel good. A little pampering of the flesh here. A little license or two there. Perhaps this might be related to something that you gave up when you came into the kingdom. Maybe you had a problem with alcohol before you came into the kingdom and God healed you. 20 years down the road, you say, well, you know, drinking isn't a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. I mean, even Jesus drank wine. A little wine here, a little wine there. A 
We gave it up once, but now we think, yeah, a little, it's okay, just a little. Not like before, when I was totally absorbed by it. No, 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 just a little, just a little, just a little distraction here. Or perhaps it's something we always wanted to do, but we never did. You're going to experiment just a little bit. Just a little. No, no, no. It's not sin. No. No, 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 no. It's not sin. Mm. After all, we don't want to be too radical, do we? That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> Besides, it's not sin. Just a little diversion. Danger. Danger. Those are the things that get in the way and eventually force us to lose our identity and our purpose. <laughs> it's the weight that so easily trips us up. I used to play basketball. Good American sport. Well, now it's all over Europe and several other places. But I love to play basketball. I, I, my, my, my favorite sport was baseball, but we don't, in Chile, we don't play baseball. So I got involved in playing basketball. Is basketball a sin? Maybe. But in and of itself, basketball's not a sin. But you know, it got to be so bad that we, we, our, our practices would be at lunchtime. I mean, because we all worked, where practices would be at lunchtime on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then we had to go to the YMCA downtown in order to be there for our practices, which was from 12 to 1. Okay. And so... Uh, if somebody would call me up and want to have a meeting with me, sure, Tuesday or Thursday, great, no problem. But Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, is I can't on Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, could it be Monday? Okay. What time? Uh, I can be there at 10. And I'm calculating. I'm at 10, and I have to be at the Y. At 12. Okay, I tell them, but you better be on time. <laughs> and so they arrive 15 minutes late, typical. And I'm already treating them bad because I'm nervous. I've got to leave because the YMCA is a half an hour away. And so I, I listen impatiently, and I dispatch them quickly, and I grab my kit, and I run down to the YMCA, and now I'm happy. Is basketball sin? It can be. It can be. Started playing in tournaments. Oh, 
And we really, we were pretty good. We had a couple of other Americans who were pretty tall, and we had some really good Chilean players, and we, we, we really did quite, quite, quite well. I'd leave the family at home. We go on tournament. Is basketball a sin? For me, it is. One of the three sins that the Lord dealt with me when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was basketball. He spoke to me about three things the night I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One was no more basketball. I was in Concepcion. I went back to Santiago and I quit for about 10 years. And then I believed the lie. Basketball's not a sin. And so I went back. But now I had two problems. Now it was a sin. Because it was rebellion against God. Things that get in our way. Things that get in our way. We need to clarify something. God doesn't need you or anybody to be dedicated completely to his life. God's going to get along just fine without you. We are the ones that need to live with this dedication to the purpose for which we were sent. We were the ones that need that. But more than that, the people of this world that surround us need our wholehearted dedication. Is it okay for Christians to play basketball? Yes. But not for me. Is it okay for Christians to drink wine? Don't don't throw tomatoes, please. Yes. But not for the alcoholic. And not for me if I'm in his house. And not for me if I invite him to my house. The world needs our wholehearted dedication. The people of the world need us. And God so loved the world that he sent. There once was a man sent by God. His name? The world's on fire. Hell is burning at the gates of the city. And we will never be of any good to God nor to the world if we're out playing basketball or fishing or you fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. It's not wrong. No. It's a weight. It's a distraction. It's a desire to have a normal life. And it's totally outside the scope of God's purpose and plan for us. Let's go on. 
Let's go. Let's go on. Gateway to heaven. 